We are starting a series in the book of Mark. Are you excited? I hope you are. Now, I know a number of you are in connection groups. We are talking about the book of Mark. We've been challenging one another to read it. And just like, um, like Keith, did you enjoy Keith Farron last week, by the way? That was, yeah, you can, you can do something. You can rattle your head or shake your arms. Okay. Uh, we've been seeking to, like, to soak, to soak in the book of Mark, just to read it and get to know Jesus through it. Now, today we're going to be starting that series with a special emphasis in Mark chapter 1. And, and so as we hear God's word read, I invite us to stand, and I'm going to invite Alette to come forward and read the first 15 verses of Mark chapter 1. Let's stand together out of reverence for God's word. Good morning. Oh, you need the microphone. There you go. Good morning. Good morning. The gospel lesson for today is Mark 1, beginning with the first verse. The beginning of the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in the Isaiah prophet. I will send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized uh, by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit sent him out into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild animals, and the angels attended him. Here ends the gospel reading. Please have a seat. Even up in Galilee, Andrew had heard the stories. He, he, he was working up there with the family business, his brother Simon, their business partners, James and John, the Zebedee boys. But he heard the stories. There was a man down in Jerusalem who was weird <laughs> and wild. And his message was unlike any other. 
And so when he had opportunity to travel from Galilee down to Jerusalem, well, before he went right home, he took a little bit of a side trip. He went down past Jericho, down to the Jordan, down to listen to the one they called John. He's standing on the side of the Jordan River, he can, he can hear John speaking and preaching. And there, there, was, there was something about his message that was just different. I mean, every zealot out there is going to tell you all the things that are wrong with, you know, with the system. And certainly there were plenty of things wrong with the system. I mean, we're living in the time of Herod. There was plenty of corruption. There were plenty of things worth speaking out about and John, well, he didn't, hold, he didn't mince any words. He didn't hold back at all. But John didn't just speak about the problems with the system, with the structure, with the things out there. John talked about the brokenness of the soul, the things in here. There's plenty wrong out there, but there's also plenty wrong in here. So John talked about the chance to get a fresh start, to repent, to stop going one way and start going another way, that you could actually get a whole new life. You could, you could live in a totally different way. You could be forgiven. You could be cleansed. You could be set free. You could be made a brand new person. And Andrew thought, oh, that sounds good. That's something I can do something about. So he watched as dozens of other people went into the water to be baptized by John, and he, he got in line. And one by one, John would lower them into the, the chilly and sometimes muddy Jordan River. Your sins are forgiven. And Andrew remembered how it felt. He crossed his arms, and he could feel... Arm, uh, John the Baptist, he could smell the camel's hair, by the way, on his coat. Some of you grew up wearing wool without an undershirt. Do you know what's itchier than wool? Camel's hair. This crazy wild man in camel's hair lowers him into the water. And he feels the water splash over his face and comes back up. And it felt good. He felt like a new person. So he kept listening. He lingered, lingered a little bit on the return trip so we could hear what John had to say. As he preached the next day and the day after that, that same message of repentance same message of a fresh start. You can start fresh. And hundreds of people, some days thousands, would come, make the journey to the Jordan to get the fresh start that John had been talking about. But that's not all John was talking about. Because he wasn't just talking about a fresh start for the soul. He was talking about, well, one who would bring a fresh start for everything. He said this, after me, comes the one whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize 
you all with water. But hang tight. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. As if John, as if John knew something. He knew, he knew something. And, and so Andrew, he, he, he watched. He listened. He waited. And he didn't have to wait too long. A couple days, well, the next day, perhaps. Even in the midst of the crowd, as, you know, as people are lining up for baptism, there's another person who's lining up for baptism, and John singled him out right away. It's as if he knew, as if something inside him had told him, this one is different. It, it was one that people said was Jesus of Nazareth, which Andrew thought was really strange because he, he lived not too far from Nazareth, and he'd never heard of the guy. This one, Jesus of Nazareth, he was part of the crowd. And he walked forward to be baptized. But, but as he did, John was reluctant. He, 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 he looked at him and he said, you're the one who should be baptizing me, not me baptizing you. And Jesus said, it is right that we do this, that all righteousness would be fulfilled. And so John was reluctant, but he went ahead with it. And he lowered Jesus into the chilly waters of the Jordan River. But when Jesus came up, something very different happened. You, you could see him right away looking off in the distance as if... As if, as if Something was coming closer to him in the process. Andrew couldn't see it, but, but it's like Jesus was just fixed on it. But he heard something. In fact, everybody there heard something. It was like, it was like a, like, you, you know, when, you know, when there's a big storm and the thunder just rolls through the crowd, the clouds. It was like thunder rolling through the, through the sky. But it, 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 if thunder could talk, that's what it was like. He couldn't, Andrew couldn't make out everything, but, but the people even closer, they said it sounded something like this. You are my son, whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. He'd never seen anything like it. Who is this man? Who is this Jesus of Nazareth? Strangely enough, shortly after that, after Jesus had come out of the water, as John was perhaps expecting something really dramatic to happen, all that happened is that Jesus walked away. He walked off into the wilderness. Andrew stuck around for another day to see if he'd come back, but he didn't. And, uh, well, John kept teaching, but his message was a little different. It's almost like 
the most important part of his message had already been delivered. So, well, after another day, Andrew made his way back up to Galilee and he and Simon, they went back to fishing. Life is normal. But it was about a month and a half later as Simon and Andrew and there's James and John further down the shore, they, they, were, they were fishing. <laughs> and he saw him. That man. That, that Jesus of Nazareth. And he, he was back. And he was teaching. And this is what he said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The time has come. And the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And almost immediately, it's as if the power of God just started flowing out of this man. (laughs) He saw a catch of fish like he had never seen. (laughs) And so when that Jesus turned to his brother, Simon, and said, follow me. From now on, you're going to be fishing for men. They dropped everything. They dropped everything and started to follow. And further down the shore, James and John, they dropped everything. They started to follow. They went into, they, as they followed Jesus, they made the, the journey to the nearby village of Capernaum, went into the synagogue, and Jesus kept preaching. The time has, has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And people started to hear it. And then they saw remarkable things a demon starts speaking out of a person and Jesus just silences that demon, casts him out of the person with a shriek. <laughs> Who is this man? Then they keep going and make their way over to Simon's house where his mother-in-law has a fever. She's really sick and Jesus comes and he just picks her up and she is made well. What kind of a person does something like this The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Let's pause the story there for a moment. If you're reading along, you know where I got the story from. Here's the one big question I'd like us to wrestle with today. The central message of Jesus we read this in, in, in all of, well, especially in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The central message of Jesus has something to do with the kingdom of God. The, time, the way it put, is put in Mark, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Should you just say that with me? The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent 
and believe the good news. So here's the question I'd like us to wrestle with today. Let me see your eyes. Let me see your eyes. What if Jesus actually meant it? What if Jesus actually meant that the kingdom of God, like the power of God is breaking into this world? The kingdom of God has come to what if Jesus actually meant what he said? That God's kingdom through him is right here. That God is at work around you and around me and around us all the time. And there is a there is a kingdom of God present right now here in the fallen, broken world that is as real as the systems and structures and governments and economies and wars and everything else. It is as real, if not more real. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news because it seems, and I hope you've been reading the book of Mark. I hope you have. Um, whether it's reading or listening to, there's some fantastic audiobooks on version. by the way. You, it's free. You just put it on your phone. Put on some headphones and go for a walk in the book of Mark. Like, it is just, a, it is so amazing because everywhere Jesus goes, amazing things happen. People get healed. People who are hungry get fed. People who are, who are possessed by a demon or other things, they get delivered. They get set free. People get healed. Lives get transformed. Even the dead are raised. The kingdom of God is just breaking out, busting forth all around Jesus. He says the kingdom of God has come near and immediately we see it. We see it everywhere. What if he actually meant it? Not just for back then, but for now too. The the risen Christ sent the Holy Spirit just like he promised, just like we we read about in the book of Acts, and through the Holy Spirit, the kingdom of God, right here, right now, it has come near. Do you believe that? Don't sound convinced. It's understandable to be a little bit skeptical. Because there's plenty of days where it doesn't feel like the kingdom of God has come near. In fact, it seems like at times there's resistance to the kingdom of God. We'll talk about that next week. Or there's times we just miss it. Like we're too distracted with other things to see it. But just because you can't see it, just because you don't always notice it doesn't mean it's not always there. One of the things that I think causes us to maybe miss the kingdom of God is, well, we forget that it's the kingdom of God, 
not our kingdom. Let me illustrate, actually. I'm going I'm to use a cultural example that admittedly is picking on another culture for just a moment, okay? Just for a moment. But to make a larger illustration. Um, hang, hang on for a second. <coughs> there we go. You don't need to hear me cough. All right. You're not here to clear my throat. A few years ago, I, I had the chance, um, our, our, our oldest daughter, Lauren, was um, she was getting ready to do a semester abroad in Scotland, and I had to take her to school. It's horrible. Okay, so we, so we got it. We, we, we had a layover, a two-day layover in Iceland, okay? And so we rented a car. Yeah, it was really cool. Yeah, you go ahead. You all feel bad for me. No, you don't. No, you don't. It was awesome. Okay, but we, we, so we rented a car, and we were driving along the south shore, and there was this little village, and we saw this church right here. Will you put that up? Okay. Now, um, there had been a church on this site for several hundred years, this, this Nordic church. And now inside the church, we're going to show a picture of inside. It, it looked, it was just this cute little chapel, right? Cute little chapel, little pews, a little, little pump organ. And at the front on the altar, there was a picture. I'm, I'm going to have them zoom in on the picture. Because I, I want us to notice something about the picture that, well, j- just take a close look. So the, the figure, of course, in the center is Jesus, okay? And you see Jesus, he is stepping out of a tomb. It, now, it's, it's a Nordic-style tomb, which is perhaps appropriate if you're, you're in Iceland. That's the only kind of tombs they know. They don't necessarily... Think about a you know, Middle Eastern style tomb. He's stepping out of a tomb. Did Jesus rise from the tomb? Yes, he did. So he's risen from the dead. They're celebrating that. And now, do you see the characters below Jesus? Who are those? Do you know? Can you, can you make them out? They are Roman soldiers. So Jesus rises from the tomb and the Roman soldiers are cowering before him. Cowering before him. Jesus has risen from the dead and he has conquered Rome. Now, just to be fair, are those things both true? Yes, They are true. Jesus did actually, literally, historically rise from the dead. Has Jesus Jesus ultimately conquered Rome? Yes, he has. There are millions of churches around the world, and there are no countries anywhere that say Caesar is Lord or hail Caesar on a daily basis. Isn't that great? That is really great. Jesus has risen from the dead and Jesus has ultimately conquered Rome and isn't that good and isn't that true? Let's notice a couple other things about the photo. What color are the Roman, what skin color are the Roman soldiers? The olive or brown, is that appropriate? Yes, they're Italian, right? That's appropriate. What skin color is Jesus? No, take a closer look. Super white, super duper Icelandic white, super duper Icelandic white. 
This is one among many reasons why I love that you're, many of us are watching the show The Chosen. Who's, who's watched even the one episode of The Chosen? Is, it's a good show because it makes every reasonable effort to show like a culturally accurate Jesus. I mean, we don't know exactly. There, you know, obviously, you've got to use your imagination a bit. But there's an honest attempt to portray the gospel in a culturally accurate way. I commend the show to you. It is good. It is good. So super white Nordic Icelandic Jesus is conquering Roman tale. They are cowering before him. And on some level, this message is absolutely true. Jesus rose from the dead. That's true. Jesus conquered Rome. And several hundred years later after his resurrection, that is most certainly true. Is that the main point of the gospel? Follow Jesus and the Romans will cower before you. Is that the main point of the gospel? No. No. Follow Jesus because Jesus looks just like you. Is that the main point of the gospel? No. No. Now, the only reason I bring this up, because I don't believe the people of Iceland are any more misguided than any other person or any other culture. But sometimes it's as we look at a, another culture and we see how they appropriate Jesus into their goals, it helps us to see, hey, maybe I've been trying to make Jesus in my image as well. Right? Now, it's probably very motivational if you're a Viking to think about how Jesus will help you gain victory over those Romans because the Romans really did, really were a significant problem to, well, to the people of Iceland. But that's not the point of the gospel. Jesus didn't come to be a mascot. He didn't come to be Iceland's mascot. He didn't come to be your mascot. He didn't even come to be first mate. <laughs> he didn't come to be a sidekick. He didn't come to be someone who would help us accomplish our plans. Though he, he does desire to bless your life. Jesus is king. Jesus has a kingdom all his own. And so often we go, wow, Jesus, you are amazing. You are so amazing. You will fit so well into my plans. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. You, you can help me put a whooping on those Romans or, or whatever foe you face. And there is a degree of truth to that. There is, there is no more helpful practice in life than to follow Jesus and to invite him into your day. He will give you wisdom and strength and peace. And yes, he will often win your victories for you. But, but, he has his own kingdom. He has his own plans. And what he calls us to do is surrender our plans to him. Jesus, you are not my mascot. 
Jesus, you are not even my first mate. You are not my co-pilot. Jesus, you are my king. My king. Maybe that's why, as Jesus is talking about the, the, the kingdom of heaven has come near. The time has come. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And then what does he tell us to do? What does he tell us to do? Repent and believe the good news. Now, most certainly that repentance involves repentance of sin. Most certainly. That's, in fact, the core of it. I am a fallen human being. God, my heart is out of alignment with your plans for me. I try to go my own way. I try to do my own thing. I need your help. I, I want to make a fresh start. That's what repentance means. I want a fresh start. I need a fresh start. As we repent of our sin, we also prevent, we, we repent of our pride. Perhaps even we might need to even repent of our plans. Jesus, I'm asking for your help. But I'm laying my plans before yours. I want your will for my, my life, not just you to help me get what I want faster. And so, Jesus, I repent. Help me believe the good news of your kingdom. You're not my mascot. You're not my first mate. I do not tell you what to do. I need you to tell me what to do. And in the places in my life where my heart is out of alignment with your plans, change that in me. Change that in me. Jesus, I repent. Help me believe the good news of whose kingdom? Your kingdom. The time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and, and believe the good news. We close, I invite us to stand. And here is what I would just ask us, ask us to do. See, the Holy Spirit is, is right here with us today. The Holy Spirit of Jesus. He, he promised that we're more two, where two or more are gathered in our name, his name, that there he is with us. So what I would just invite us to do is just to be, whether that's with your hands open or your eyes closed or, or whatever it would be, just a, just a posture of receptivity. Say, Jesus, I want to hear from you today. And I invite you even to, to, to whether it's silently or under your breath or, or something, those same words we're putting on the screen, to do the very thing that Jesus told us to do when he told us that the, good, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. To actually believe that Jesus meant what he said.
The time has come. The kingdom of heaven has come near. It is right here in and through Jesus. And so, Jesus, I repent. Help me believe the good news of your kingdom. Jesus, I repent. Help me believe the good news of your kingdom. And I'm going to be quiet for just a moment and just invite you to listen to the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit say to you whatever, whatever the Holy Spirit wants to say to you. Because the presence of Jesus is great news and he's right here. Lord Jesus, we repent. Help us to believe the good news of your kingdom. And thank you, God, that where your kingdom is present, lost people are found. Sick people are healed. Even dead people are raised. Those who are captured and trapped are set free. The hungry are fed. And lives are changed. Lord, help us believe In, the, in your kingdom. Thank you that it is right here. Amen.